When I was a girl, I wasn't allowed to be competitive. I played with dolls. Chess isn't always competitive. No, but you play to win. Yes, but chess can also be... What? Beautiful. In The Queen's Gambit, Netflix's new miniseries by Scott Frank and Alan Scott, we witness the rise of fictional protagonist Beth Harmon from young orphan chess prodigy to a world-renowned chess grandmaster. And what I want to take a look at today is how the series uses her growing struggle with alcohol and drug dependency to portray a deeply complex character whose addiction to winning stems from her need for control. You're an orphan, Beth. Yes, I know that. No. From the very start of the series, Beth becomes orphaned when her mother dies in a car crash. At the orphanage, in an attempt to curb the behavior of the children there, they're fed these tranquilizing pills, which make them compliant and more manageable. As she learns the game of chess from Mr. Shy Bell, a janitor at the orphanage, she becomes more and more obsessed with the game. And the mind-altering drugs, coupled with her inherent spatial intelligence and awareness, allow her to not only pick up chess very quickly, but completely and utterly dominate her opponents, people twice and even thrice her age. And so would begin Beth's increasing dependency on the pills as a means to flourish her chess game. Despite this incongruity, when playing chess, Beth feels at home. The black and white squares on a chessboard become a world she can operate in with full agency and autonomy. A world she can control. It's an entire world of just 64 squares. I feel safe in it. I can control it. I can dominate it. And it's predictable. So if I get hurt, I only have myself to blame. Beth has grown up in an environment without control. Orphaned at a young age and fed tranquilizing pills that would eventually manifest themselves in her addiction, held under the thumb of adults and of an unfair and unjust world, she is but a pawn. But in chess, she is the master, the architect and arbiter of her own fate. She is very much in control. And as we're thrown into the world of the show, the audience quickly realizes the show isn't even really about chess at all. It's about winning totally dominating the mind of your opponent. Chess is this mind game, it's cerebral, built on counters on counters on counters. The show shows how intensely competitive it is. Beth's cockiness fuels her addiction to winning, and her addiction to pills fuels her winning and matches. She wins so much that at a certain point she becomes bored with ordinary chess, even against masters. She's elevated from it, transcended even. She knows she's good, she's proven it. But it's not enough to be good. You need to be great. And it's not enough to be great. You need to be the best. It must have been such a distraction from life in such a depressing place. And you must have been very lonely. I'm fine being alone. Beth as a character is someone who completely and fully experiences things. As she grows up, she builds this disdain for her peers and age mates girl she went to school with because she has nothing in common with them. In an attempt to fit in with these outward societal expectations from her, compounded by her already prevalent addiction to pills, she begins to drink more, have sex, live a life unto her own as she grows into adulthood. But eventually drinking for Beth becomes a coping mechanism, a reprieve and a retreat from humiliating chest losses and an isolationist tactic from the world and from her friends. 
After the death of her mother and her stepmother and her chest tutor, the sense of isolation and singularity in the vast expanse of the universe only grows. Her only friend is drinking. She exists in a framework of desperately needing help, but being unable to really outwardly seek it. And so she falls into this generational cycle of addiction, a familial bond that can be incredibly hard to break. And I think what the Queen's Gambit is playing with is something that feels almost inherently contradictable. It's this idea of control needing to be acquiesced in order to truly flourish and begin anew. Beth's intensity towards control of her own life in turn causes her to lose control of it, pushing the people who care most about her away. She becomes blinded by her own genius as it walks the fine line, beginning to slowly slip into madness, traversing a complicated love life, suffering humiliating losses and defeats, or discovering weaknesses in her game, attempting to, against all odds, be the best, even if it drives her over Tell the me, edge. Elizabeth, have you ever heard of something called apophenia? No, what's that? It's the finding of pattern or meaning where other people don't. Sometimes people with this condition get feelings of revelation or ecstasies. Sometimes people find patterns or meaning where there aren't any. What does that have to do with me? Well, creativity and psychosis often go hand in hand. Or for that matter, genius and madness. You think I'm crazy? No. At its core, The Queen's Gambit is a metaphor for the chess opening it's named after. It's about needing to lose in order to win. The chess opening strategy involves sacrificing a pawn in order to gain center board control. It's an opening made by white to constantly put pressure on their opponent as they spiral backwards into defense. For the diehard chess fanatics out there, please go easy on me a bit. Not entirely sure if I nailed that description. But at any rate... In the show, Beth sacrifices her identity as the pawn she was in the eyes of her most dastardly opponents, and she sacrifices the pains of her past and upbringing as she attempts to move on and move forward, aided by the help and companionship of her friends. Chess is the beautiful game, yes, but for some intensely passionate players, it can be a nightmare a painful simulacrum of control that constantly reminds one how little control they have over their own life, making it easy to slip into self-isolation and self-doubt. And in those 64 black and white squares, you may never find the control you truly seek. But perhaps with the friendly enough nudge from the outside world, you'll at least be able to find peace. Mind Theater is produced and written by me, A.O.E. Kingbade, in collaboration with Muckraker Media. For updates on the show and upcoming episodes, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to show monetary support, the Ko-fi link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.
So can you tell the readers of life how it feels? And to be a girl among all those men. I don't mind it.